And we believe that, and we know it. You know, the Lord told us both just to be faithful to God's Word, and that's what we're doing. We're just being faithful every week, and we're trusting God. You know, we're not trusting in ourselves, we're not trusting in men, but we're trusting in the Lord. Amen? Joe, if you have Nehemiah chapter 8 up there, verse 10. The title of the sermon is called Joy and Praise. Last week I taught on discerning of spirits, and I thought, well, it's pretty deep and pretty hard. I thought maybe this week I'll be a little lighter on it, you know what I mean? With the joy with joy and praise. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to you, our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Psalms 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him. And I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to Him in song. You know, I, I look at these scriptures and I think of, you know, our joy. Joy, joy, joy. It's so robbed these days. It's so robbed. Our joy is robbed. And it's the work of the devil. It's simple. It's the work of the devil. In Nehemiah's day, the people were coming out of captivity. They were coming out of Babylon. Babylon. Remember Nehemiah was building the wall? But they were coming out of captivity. And the joy of the Lord is found in the road to restoration. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. On the road to restoration, there you'll find the joy of the Lord. It's so true. When you've been restored, don't you feel joy? I feel joy when I'm restored. You know, God convicts us of sin. And oftentimes our first reaction is guilt and shame. Correct? When you're convicted of sin, you feel guilt and shame. And those feelings never come from God. They don't come from God. They come from the enemy who wants to keep you from God and his freedom and his joy. You experienced that this morning when I heard you testify about coming to church and seeing nobody here. And it's like, nobody's here, let's go. You know, that devil's in your, in your ear chirping to you all the time. It's so true. We can be so discouraged. Discouragement doesn't come from God. In Nehemiah's day, Ezra the scribe gathered all the people. And he gathered the skilled ministers to explain the words and their meaning to the people. Because they didn't understand it. They brought out the law of Moses. The, the Ten Commandments, they brought them out where God told Moses. You know, like the do's and don'ts. 
And the people weren't understanding it. So he had people lined up to explain the word to them clearly. Nehemiah 8.8 says they read the book from the law of God clearly. And they gave the, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Once the people understood and they really understood, they wept, it says there in that chapter in Nehemiah 8. Once they understood the, the meaning and they really understood it, they wept. Why? Because God's words opened their eyes. Opened their eyes, opened their ears to the ways that they had failed them. But Nehemiah was quick to remind him of those, of the words, and of who the Lord is. That they can delight in the joy of the Lord. Because he is a forgiving God. Amen? Thank you, God, that he is a forgiving God. And that he's gracious. And he's compassionate. And he's slow to anger. You know, he didn't want the people to be grieving. He didn't want the people to feel guilt or shame. He wanted the people to have joy. And to take joy in the words of the Lord. You know, there's a story I want to tell you about, and probably, you can probably tell it better than I can, because you told it to me. Why don't you come up and tell us the story of the, the baby, the baby that was sick and was going to die. Remember? <laughs> you don't remember? You told it to me this week, and the grandfather spoke a word, said, no, the baby is coming home. I thought you said it was the grandfather. It doesn't matter. Grandma, grandpa. You have a praying relative praying for you. That's a good thing. So whether it was the grandmother or the grandfather, and I know I'm going to get it all wrong because I'm not good at telling stories. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a bad storyteller. I'm going to try if you're not going <laughs> to. All right, why don't you come up and say it. She's a better storyteller than I am. Anyways, I pretty much have already spoken it, but anyways, they had a baby. There was a baby born. Very sick, right? No oxygen in its blood. Right now, do you remember now? And they were all, you know, the doctors and everybody were saying, it's not going to, you know, you're, it's you know you need to say your goodbyes. This this is not going to take too long. The baby's going to to die and go home to be with the Lord. Well, the grandfather or grandmother, but I believe it was the grandfather. Grandfather said to the father that no, 
you need to praise the Lord and rejoice because the baby's coming home. The Lord said to me in prayer that the baby's coming home. You need to start praising and rejoicing. So the uh, father went back and told it to the mother what the grandfather said. So the mother started looking down and praising like, oh, thank, I can't think of the baby's name, but we'll just call him, call, we'll just call the baby Kizzy or Lizzie. <laughs> so anyways, told you I'm a terrible storyteller. Anyways, the mother's like, oh, praise the Lord. Let's call her baby Joy. How's that? Praise the Lord, baby Joy. You're coming home today with us. You know, pretty soon you're going to be coming home. And the, all the nurses and the doctors gave up on this baby. They're like, no, there is no oxygen in the blood anymore. There's no way that this is going to happen. You need to say your goodbyes. You know, and they're like, no, baby Joy, you're coming home. Praise the Lord. And then the baby's eyes opened. The baby's eyes opened. They haven't been open the whole time. The baby's eyes opened. So she quickly brought the father over. And they were looking down and they're like, oh, praise. You know, they started praising and rejoicing. And I'm telling you, when you start praising and rejoicing, it changes the atmosphere. Like Julie said earlier, it starts changing. When you start being thankful, your mind starts changing. Your thoughts start changing. Your spirit starts changing from a negative situation to a positive situation. And, the, and, and, and sure enough, just as the grandfather said, that baby, baby Joy, came home. And is healthy and living today. And the nurses looked at it and was like, they couldn't believe it because this was a miracle that they witnessed. This was impossible. This was against all odds. But this actually happened. This is a true story. This actually happened. And the nurses come out and they're like, we, don't, we, we can't explain this. this. This is unexplainable. This is a miracle. I'm telling you, God is moving, and there's miracles that are taking place today in people's lives. There's prayer that's being answered in people's lives today that people have been praying for for a long time that are going to start coming to pass because God is moving. We're in the latter days. We know that. We believe it. We see the signs and the wonders in the sky. But we know that the Holy Spirit is moving. You know, it's moving behind the scenes. We need to get our eyes off the negative, get our eyes on the positive. We need to not look at the guilt and shame anymore because if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, then he took it all away from us in Jesus' name. We need to leave that at the cross, at the foot of the cross. Amen? We need to leave it at the foot of the cross and we need to move on from the cross to victory, which Jesus has called us to live in. He didn't die on the cross for us to be stuck there. We have to go through the cross. Yes, that's part of our walk with Christ. We have to go through the cross. We have to believe in it. We have to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he shed his blood for us, that he took away all our sin and shame. Sin and shame, say that fast. <laughs> right? He took it all away, and he cleansed it from us. And then he took our sins and he cast as far as the east is to the west. And we have to believe that. We're all sinners. We all fell short of the glory of God. There's not one here that hasn't sinned. Not one. Hallelujah. 
In Nehemiah's days, Ezra got up and he read the word of God and it opened their eyes to their sin and shame. And then they felt guilt. But Nehemiah said, no, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Go home, celebrate, have a good meal. You know, have sweet drinks, iced tea, lemonade. And once they understood one thing that opened, when I read the word of this this morning, you know, once the people understood and they really understood the word, that's what we need to pray for when we open the word and we read it, that we will understand it, that our eyes will be open, that we will understand it clearly. Right? Right? When they started to speak praise and faith and rejoice, part of my notes, I'm going backwards here, there was a miraculous healing in that room. The same thing can happen as it happened in that hospital room with that little baby joy. The same thing can happen in your own house. You know, in your own bedroom, in your own prayer closet, in your own living room, no matter where you go. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Right? No matter where I go, I should be bringing joy and peace and faith. There's something about praise and joy that strengthens you. There's something about being around positive people too, isn't there? You can, you can sense it. You can feel it off them. It's not doom and gloom. You feel energized. You know, you feel excited when you get around positive people. Nobody wants to be around negative people. They don't. The Eeyores of life. The Debbie Downers. <laughs> the Debbie Downers. No, no, not, not our Debbie, but the Debbie Downers, you know. All that negativity wears off on you and it wears you down. It does. We've all been there. We've been around people that are negative. You know what I mean? And it brings you down. We've been there. I've been negative. I confess. The guys know it. I get discouraged too. And I get, I, sometimes I can get negative. Fall in that trap of the enemy. It's not until I get my eyes on Jesus again. And say, okay, Lord, forgive me. I went there, sure enough, help me to get my eyes on you. Help me to follow you. Help me to praise my way out of this. Help me to get restore my joy. We need to get our minds, our spirits, focused on the positives, focused on Jesus, and off the negatives. Actually, we need to rebuke it. Rebuke that negative thing our senior pastor, Tom McDonald, one time said, you know, you got to rebuke that stinking thinking. That's what we need to do. And it all starts in the mind. You know, the enemy starts in your mind. Start speaking to you negative things. Oh, you're no good. You're not worthy. You're not good enough. No matter what you do is not good enough. That's all from the enemy. We got to rebuke that thought and say, "No, devil, get behind me! I'm a child of God. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. I'm free. 
I'm free to worship. I'm free to have joy. We need to take joy in our work. That we're able to be able to, to work. We need to take joy wherever we go. Because we're the light in a dark world. And I'm telling you, the world is pretty dark. And it's lacking of joy. That's the problem. They're not thankful. They don't have joy. They don't have love. It's a dark world out there. And we're bearers of the light. Amen? We need to take joy. We need to take Jesus wherever we go. Whether that's in the workplace, whether that's when you're going for lunch, whether that's in your home. We need to be able to be thankful. Praising God. People with a positive attitude. We need to be able to walk into a room and change the atmosphere because of He who is in us. And we need to believe it. And we need to keep it. And we need to not let it go. It's like holding on to the hem of Jesus' garment. Like that lady who was, had the issue with blood. She wouldn't, she touched us. She figured if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she'd be healed. I bet you she felt joy when she felt healing. Amen. When she was on her road to her restoration, she had to press through a crowd that was crowding Jesus to get to him. And when she touched him, she was healed miraculously. And Jesus turned and looked. Who touched me? I felt power come out from me. She was full of joy because she knew she was healed. Because she just touched the hem of God. Think about that. We can touch the hem of God every day in our homes through prayer and through the word. Amen. Every day, wherever you go. The Bible is the word of God. It's the inspired word of God. Let's not think about the worst, but let us start thinking of the best. You know, we've been doing research. I call, we've been calling it investigative journalism this last week. Julie and I, and we will sit down at our little table in our house, we'll pull it out, and we'll think of all these things coming, we'll listen to all these documentaries. Oh, there's EMPs, there's all this stuff happening around the world. Whole catastrophe everywhere. Asteroids, planets, you know, it's crazy. You know, military weapons that will kill certain DNA and COVID-19, they just... Sampled all of our DNAs, you know, <laughs> with the testing. Craziness going on. But it's, we've enjoyed it. We've had fun doing it at least. And we're into the Word. And we're relating it to the Word. Where are we in the end times? That's part of, I believe, my calling, as the Lord's called me to, is take what's going on current events, relate it to the Word. Share it with the people. You know, let them be aware. We don't want to be caught sleeping. We want to be watchmen, right? We want to be on guard. We want to be ready. And the greatest way to be ready is to have joy and trust in the Lord and knowing and having peace 
that no matter what happens to me or my family, they're with God. What better place can they be? Amen? What better place? No matter if an asteroid the size of Pluto hits the Earth. You know, Planet X, Nibiru, whatever they're calling it now. You know, they say they got an asteroid out there the size of Manhattan called Apothos, that NASA called it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. You know, who created the universe? God. Who breathed it into existence? If God, who created the universe, and set everything in motion, don't you think God can wipe that asteroid away or that planet away with just a single breath through prayer? And if God wants to take us all home, what better place are we? Because we're all just aliens on this earth, right? Our home isn't here. Our home is with God the Father in heaven. You know, to be absent from the body is to be present from the, with the Lord. And when you get your eyes on Jesus and you keep your eyes on Jesus, it doesn't matter. You know, things can be going on all around you. It's not going to matter. Because your faith and your trust and your hope is in Jesus. Amen? It's, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And we know that. It's the word of God. We got our eyes on him. We focus on Jesus. It's going to be okay. I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. You can take joy because you know Jesus. And Jesus is up there with, at the right hand of God praying for us, right? He's making intercession. We preached about this the other couple weeks ago. 24-7. Think about that. We can barely get out to pray on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock for an hour or two. But like Jesus is praying 24-7 till we all go home. There's the greatest example. All it takes is one word from God. That's all it took me to turn my life around. One word from God. Well, let's see. Maybe it was probably more than one. But it wasn't, it didn't take, it took one time for him to speak to me that I said, okay, Lord, that is of you, that's not of me, and that's not of the devil. I am going to obey. And I went from a park bench in Utah <laughs> To a pulpit in Uigo. How about that? That's a miracle from God. The kids all laugh because they know about the, the story of the park bench. They're still laughing back there. These are all our grandkids and family. You're all our family because we're all part of the kingdom. Amen? When your eyes are off Jesus and on the things of the world, you get discouraged. You feel like you're not good enough. You know, it's like what Julie said. It's those horses when they go around in the round pen that we have up there. And they don't get your eyes on the, the one person in the middle that's there trying to help them. And they start looking out over the fence. And they start panicking. They get afraid. We're, like, we're the same way, in a sense. We get our eyes on the world, and we see everything that's going on, and we get afraid. And then, and then we, all we want to do is run. Run, 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 run. You know, yeah, run in circles. It's true. 
But once we get our eyes on the one who's going to take care of us and protect us, and we realize, hey, it's okay. No matter what I've done in my life, no matter where I've been, no matter what I've done, God's love is there. And it's always been there. And he's just waiting for us to turn to give him two eyes. Right? To give him two eyes. To give him a heart. He's there. But you get your eyes on the world, then pretty soon your joy gets start disappearing. Right? Your thankfulness starts to go. Keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I want to read to you in John chapter 15. It's called The Vine and the Branches. And then I'm going to read to you in John chapter 17 where Jesus, it's actually Jesus' prayer that he has for the believers. For him. He prays for himself. And he prays for his believers. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And in my father, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. How clear is that? When we get apart from Jesus and we get away from Jesus, we can't bear any fruit because we're apart from the from the source of life, right? We're, we're apart from the, from the vine, which is rooted in the ground, which is getting all its life and energy and nutrients. Once you separate the branch from a tree, it dies, right? The only hope you can have is somebody were to graft it in. And that's what Jesus done. He grafted us all in. All us Gentiles, we're grafted into that tree of life. And once we get apart from that tree of life, we can do nothing. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. So branch, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Think about that. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. Whatever we wish. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear that you that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Amen? So that my joy may be in you. See, God doesn't want to harm us. He doesn't want to hurt us. Jesus doesn't, he didn't come into the world to condemn us. He came into the world to save us. He came into the world so that we can be with him. He loves us right to the cross, right to the nails, right to the piercing, right to the beating, to the scourging. He still loved us all the way to the road, to the hill of Golgotha where they hung the cross and they hung him on it. He loved us each step of the way. I can hear him say in determination in his mind, I love him. You know, every step, I love him. I'm not going to give up. I love him. Think about the agony and pain that he went through all, every step, knowing what the outcome was going to be. And he did that for you, and he did that for me. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. When the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name, this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other. This is the greatest command, amen? Love each other. We need to be more loving, more caring. Thank you, Lord. And then Jesus in John 17, and I'll close with this. It says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who, have, who you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth, by completing the works you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Pretty amazing statement right there, huh? Before the world began, there was Jesus in God's glory. It was all part of God's glory. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. 
They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. The name of Jesus. There's power in that name. No other name but Jesus can deliver. No other name but Jesus can heal. No other name but Jesus can set you free. No other name but Jesus can save you. There is no other name that you can go around the world and heal people with except the name of Jesus. Can't go do it in the name of Muhammad. Can't do it in the name of Buddha. Doesn't work. Only in the name of Jesus. There's power in that name that you gave me, he said. So that my... So that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. But the name you gave me, by the name you gave me. See, there's protection in that name. I don't know how many times I've had a terrible dream. And you get a dream when you can't breathe, right? And you feel like you're just dying for air and you can't even speak. And you're like, and you're trying to say it. And you're trying to say the name of Jesus. And you can't say it. You're like, you know, you're, everything in you is like cramping and trying. But you can't just say it. You're trying to say Jesus. And then all of a sudden when you say Jesus, and you say it loud, my wife has witnessed this in the middle of the night. She would say, what were you saying? What were you doing? She wakes me up and she said, you just said Jesus. So I was like, that's right. Because you saved me from that terrible dream. Or whatever it was, it was an attack from the enemy. But when you finally get it out and you say the name of Jesus, it's like, phew, I did it. Amen? And, it, and then all, everything goes away. It, it disappears. Protected them. I protected them. And kept them safe by that name. Of Jesus that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed for destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. See, we have, when we have Jesus we can have the full measure of that same joy. That joy that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That should make us all want to get up and shout and do the jig. Amen? You know? Should. 
Hallelujah, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. I'm, not a, I'm a jogger, not a jigger. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we should take joy in that. Not one has been lost, it says, except the one doomed for destruction. He said, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Did you hear that? I have given them the word which the world has hated, and hated them. And it hasn't changed over 2,000 years, has it? Hasn't changed one bit. The world still hates the word. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one that prowls around like a roaring lion, that tries to speak to you, discouragement, They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be fully, truly sanctified. Then Jesus goes on and says, My prayer is not for them alone. See, Jesus is saying, I'm not just praying for my disciples here. I'm not just praying for the 12 you gave me. I pray also for those who, who believe in me through their message. That would be all of us. We believe in Jesus through the message of the Gospels that were written by the disciples and the apostles. Amen? Amen? which is called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. That's what we need to do, right? We need to come together as one. One body. You know, when I grew up, I wasn't a churchgoer. I didn't go to church. I was a heathen. I, didn't know, I, don't, I still don't know all the denominations, right? But I know this. The Bible says there's only one body, one church, under God. Amen? Amen. There's one body. We are all part of one body, under God, who is the head. That's what I believe. We need to come together as one. To be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, 
the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. That's going to be a glorious day, isn't it? When we all see Jesus face to face. Like Jesus says, I want you. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that you, they can see my glory that you've given me that was given to me before the creation of the world. How awesome is that going to be to see Jesus standing there in all of his glory? That's going to be an amazing day. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they have known that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. Just like 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. May that love of God beam out of us. May that joy of God come out of us. May it change those we come into contact with. May we get our eyes on all the things that are going on in the world right now. All the things that are discouraging and distracting. Because they really are distractions. They're distractions of the enemy. We need to keep our eyes on God. He's got the answer. He's got the cure. He's got everything we need is in him. Everything. Amen? Let's stand up for the, or pray the blessing over you out of numbers, and I'll dismiss you. I would just encourage you this week, you know, to get into your word, trust God, feed on it, because it's life. It's life. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your, for today. I thank you, Lord God, for your presence. I thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, for your anointing on each person here, Lord God, for your covering and your protection, for your angels to minister to us, Lord Jesus, this week as we go out of here, out of your covering, Lord God, that we would take that covering with us wherever we go. Father Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Pray that you'd bring healing to our bodies, healing to our nation, and healing to our lands. That you would bless and protect our leaders, our president, our vice president. That you would bless them abundantly and that you give them supernatural wisdom, Lord God. And I pray this, Lord, and I pray, Lord God, that you would bless each one of us today. And that you would keep us. That, Lord, your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. That, Lord, you would turn your face toward us and that you would give us peace. And I just pray that over each person here and over our nation. And I pray, Lord God, that anything that was of me, Lord God, that it would fall away, Lord God. And anything that was of you, that, Lord, it would speak to our hearts and our eyes, Lord God. That you would just open our ears and our eyes to receive all that you've had for us today. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would just keep pouring it out through the rest of the week on your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, specific prayer, I know Julie and I would love to pray for you.